When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody. It is time for another edition. Well, I guess a first edition, we should call this one. Carrie Burdock here with you guys. It's the Soonerscoop.com podcast, and we don't really have an official name for this one yet, but uh, I want to welcome in uh, Joe Duvall and Eddie Radosevich, and this is kind of our team podcast, not really our recruiting podcast that we have with uh, Josh McQuiston from time to time, but uh, guys, welcome to the program, Eddie, uh, Joe. It's it's just you and you you three, us three. No Josh McQuishan on this one. So we're going to talk a lot about what we saw this spring during spring football. Kind of wrap things up there. But uh, excited for the new show. Excited for the uh, Soonerscoop.comers to be able to uh, start getting a team podcast every once in a while. I think uh, it's a long time coming. I'm glad that uh, we're all here today. We'll uh, we'll take. Uh, I guess we can take uh, recommendations on name podcast names on the board if you want to yeah, uh, we could do that. throw a couple out there uh, or even throw a couple on uh, Twitter at throw a uh, hit me carry or uh, Joe up I guess we could take uh, I guess suggestions I don't know if we'll uh, I don't know if it's going to be any type of contest but we'll definitely take recommendations we'll get plenty of vulgar ones I'm sure about that <laughs> uh, and Joe Duvall welcome uh, in as well and Joe you've been doing a great job I know covering a lot of the, the draft stuff kind of getting up some articles there uh, talking about what's going on tonight. We're going to talk about that a little bit today as well, but uh, welcome, Joe. Yeah, it's good to be here. And uh, I, I guess Three Amigos, probably too cliche, right? I don't know. I do like Three Amigos, man. That was one of my favorite shows growing up. Only if we could have a mariachi band come in and serenade us at the beginning of every... Uh... You know I hate mariachi bands. <laughs> I, I realize that. <laughs> I How about really, we just have... Really... If we get I was Mexican actually, food, I was okay. actually at uh, Thunder Practice yesterday and talking to Barry Trammell. And he saw me at one of my worst moments in life. We were on the boardwalk, uh, the Riverwalk in San Antonio. It was a long time ago. I can't. It must have been for the 2007 Big 12 Championship when Oklahoma played Missouri. Missouri was number one. Chase Daniel. But we went to uh, we went to the Riverwalk and ate at a Mexican restaurant. And I don't. Uh, this is why I don't drink tequila. I get a little mean when I drink tequila. So we were having margaritas. And the mariachi band came up, and I I don't like them, even before I started drinking margaritas. And I literally yelled at the mariachi band to go away, and I thought Barry Trammell would never talk to me again. <laughs> well, at least you didn't throw him in the... Uh in the river. That was the, you. Uh, you remember that canal. was that was the infamous Mike DeArmond rant. You remember when that he went up into game? his uh, he went up into his room. I don't know, Joe. You might be too young to remember this, but he went up into his room and and basically called Oklahoma fans a bunch of spoiled brats and entitled and arrogant. Uh, and then after they won, he made an apology video, which he had obviously been drinking in. <laughs> but it was one of the greatest videos of all time. You know, I was, in 2007, uh, I was actually a freshman at the University of Oklahoma. Okay. And, and those, that Mizzou rivalry was real at the time. It doesn't shock me that uh, 
DeArmond had a bit of a feud going on and the tequila involved and all that stuff. But Missouri and Oklahoma there for a stretch were, they were not getting along. They, that was not a, a it was friendly a good rivalry. Yeah. And it wasn't friendly. Well, that, they have nasty fans. I mean, Eddie, you remember the year we yeah. went and they've screwed up our credentials? I walked all over Columbia that day, <laughs> getting up to the stadium. That was when OU was number one. And they ran back the opening kickoff. Landry Jones threw an interception to Alden Smith Gosh, in that game. That was a hell of a play, though. It was a really good play, but that, those people are yeah. That was a nasty. They're game. disgusting. And I'm the, not the afraid weather to say was it. terrible that night. That was that was a crazy game. Was that Ch- uh, 2007 Chase Daniel game? Is that the infamous uh, booger picking game as well? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that will that re- that's what uh, reminds me of uh, Chase Daniel. He and uh, Sam Bradford are uh, actually teammates now. Hopefully, yeah, it is bizarre. hopefully, I f- hopefully only that. for like a week. <laughs> hopefully, they are for can, only a week. And Joe is a huge Broncos fan. Yes, sir. Hey, he has the Broncos gear on right now. Uh, yes, sir. I got the polo. You, you, uh, world champions! Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Sam Bradford end up in Denver. Well, the NFL draft is going on tonight. Uh, as we record this podcast, we are what about three short, sweet hours away? Uh, yep, not right quite around. that many. Uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about in the first round tonight. I think it would be a surprise if we have much to talk about. But uh, what we really wanted to get into was uh, spring football for Oklahoma. And uh, Joe and Eddie are here. And uh, guys, I know both of you guys followed it really closely. Uh, Joe was at the spring game. Can we talk about what happened at the spring game oh, with you, God. Joe? Oh, God. Oh, God. Is it too soon? No, you can go for it. I'm open to it. I'm just, I might cry on a podcast. <laughs> Joe uh, had the assignment, and, and granted, I'm, I'm a terrible trainer. Uh, it's not your fault. It, Joe was, had sideline duty. It was his first in-game duty as a Suter Scoop staff member. My, my chair just about killed me. Uh, he was, uh, Eddie shoots fantastic video. Eddie, uh, of course. I'm going to ask you another question in a minute, Eddie. Joe's assignment was to take still photography. Mm-hmm. Should be easier, right? Less of those. We <laughs> we put it on the dummy, um, dummy proof, dummy dummy setting. Yeah, it, it was supposed to be. It's dummy just proof. a man running. All it is a dial that you turn, mm-hmm. and it's just a man running to signify I want to take action photos. Yeah, it's, it has the picture there for you in case you're confused. Oh yeah, take the picture of the man running. Okay, good. there's like <laughs> one of a mountain. You nope. know you're not taking pictures nope, of mountains. Not mountains. Nope. There's a woman. No, nope, not taking. You know it. you're not taking close-ups of a woman. No. Nope. There's a guy running. You that's know the that's one. that's the one you want. Yep. That wasn't the problem though. No, no, I got that. The pictures that you took were fantastic. All seven of them. I think there were eleven, but maybe it was seven. I still haven't. I'm sorry. You asked me to send the ones that you could actually see. I pathetically asked Carrie after taking hundreds of pictures only to have seven to eleven come through i said carrie can i at least see the seven see, to eleven if we, if, if we <laughs> were, at least look good i need to i need to send those there are some some good there's some you got some good calvin thibodeau ones which was actually one of the main instructions i sent you i said get us some good calvin thibodeau pictures because he's a new coach uh, we uh, need plenty of those for the site uh-huh. uh but you would think like i wish we were on television right now because we could put a list of how did joe screw up like did he leave the lens cap on? Nope. Uh, did he forget to put the lens on? No, we had a lens. Um, did he forget to secure the card in the camera? Is that... Well, hold on. I'm... Gosh dang it. It's okay, Joe. You know... Here's the thing. <laughs> At least it was... 
It wasn't the Ohio State game. You know, it, 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 this is this is the deal with the memory card. Okay, it, it's it looks it looked like it was in there. I mean, it, I mean, it's such a silly little thing. You can you can go to school. You can learn about this stuff. You can work all these days. You can learn all about the equipment. But if you don't push the dad gum card in all the way, it's not going to work. And, and that's it, exactly I, what happened. I will admit, it was some kind of freak, weird situation because those cards tell you when they're not pushed in. It was like it, it hung. It was like a hanging chad of an SD card. I'm okay if we it's get like the Supreme Court involved. Somehow, here. it went in just far enough, enough not to like spring load out, which it is would do if you don't have it pushed in all the way. So I get the camera back from Joe, and we come back from the game. Eddie's... Uh, he's uploading video. I'm working on my stories, and I'm like, okay, we gotta edit some. Some we need some some photos for Eddie's video. And I open up the little door, and the card just shoots out like that's never happened before. Like a toaster, it, exactly. And so I I go. We use a program called Adobe Lightroom. This is way too much inside information, I'm sure. And so I put it in there, and it it will show you an entire list of photos. And I've figured. Man, we're going to have hundreds of really good photos that we're going to use thousands. all summer. Maybe, Maybe thousands. thousands. There were a lot. And the list comes up and it says, and you had two cards. I gave you two cards. And the list comes up and there's seven photos on there. Seven great photos. And I thought to myself, I think they were all of Dee Dee Westbrook. <laughs> I, I thought to myself, okay, I've got the wrong card. So I got his a card he didn't use. And so I get the other card. I put it in there four pictures and then i think to myself you know i remember when i opened that door that card just shot out there he didn't actually have the card in the in the camera so congratulations okay. joe i'm taking a bow you gotta admit as, as a boss i was very understanding was i not oh you were super understanding i actually i called you first to deliver the bad news because yeah. i knew if i didn't call you you'd be calling me the next day saying hey what happened to all those photos i took yeah <laughs> carrie called me and he said uh you're going to hate me right now. And then he delivered the news. And then he proceeded to laugh at me in like a jovial laughing with you kind of way, letting me know, you know, this isn't a big deal. He's, he was a great boss for your understanding. And uh, that didn't matter. I, I still crawled into a hole that night and just sat It's there. something that you'll take with you for the rest of your career that you'll remember. You know what? I'm saying. And you know what? You will, I guarantee you this, Joe. You will never make the mistake of not properly putting that's right. the memory that is card true. in the camera. That's true. And, and here's the deal. Maybe maybe I'm smarter here than I realize. I'm just setting the bar so low. I'm just putting the expectation game real low. And then from now on, it's only good things. You know, <laughs> The next time I go out, okay, he put the memory card in. We're good. We're improving. So you mm -hmm. got, uh, that's a lesson out there for you new professionals. Set the bar low. Now, Eddie, have you ever <laughs> had a screw up that big? Oh, I don't like the pause. I can't remember. What's your worst screw up? Uh, You've never lost a camera or anything. No. You're pretty good with not losing equipment. I guess pissing off that lady at uh, in Ames was maybe my biggest <laughs> screw up. When she sent you and Josh a, a letter yes. saying that I stood in the middle of the uh, cheerleading section. You ruined section. The, the game for the cheerleaders. Yeah. Because okay, you, were shooting, you were shooting video on the sideline. And everything that, that, that remains the greatest complaint letter I've ever received. <laughs> Not just about like my subscription or me. Like most complaint letters are just about me. Like you're a jerk. You know that was, you suck. That was that was up there as far as just 
bewildering statements ever made by anybody that's attended a Division One football. So game. I'm confused. Did you block the cheerleaders' view? Is that was that what happened? No, it or? was he didn't do anything wrong. Well, they uh, they were the ones that screwed up to begin with because they're the ones standing where all of the uh, cameras are supposed to stand. Iowa so, State does not have a good sideline. No, or a good sideline policy. They're not. Let's just say they're not used to a a big. They're not used to having people that care about the other team on their side. Right. That'd probably be the best way to put it. So uh, we'll get back into that. that. That's a story. We'll put a pin in it. It's a story for I, I, I literally need to find that email. We can read some of it on a podcast one of these days. That would be awesome. All right. So let's get to uh, our, our impressions from the spring. And, and, and we'll just do this kind of roundtable. Like, you guys know, I talk enough every day. I, I, I would love for you guys to carry this show. I will pipe in here and there. But, you know, I already do a, a three-and-a-half, four-hour show every day on the radio, so people don't need to keep hearing from me all the time. Let me go start with you, Eddie. Uh, your number one impression from the spring uh, after the 14 or whatever practices that we covered. Okay, this will be kind of a two-point question, or two-part answer, I guess. I th- I'd say the first part would, just coming out of spring, was uh, – realizing the I guess the progress that the direction of the program has made since maybe the last couple of years being down there around the football team uh, there's maybe not that that question of is this team going to make that next step is, is Bob losing the uh, the program I guess you could say quote unquote because yeah. I think there was a lot of people going into uh, even last year uh, especially after they lost the Texas game that that were still having their doubts and I think uh, just seeing all the guys that are returning, uh, and and most importantly, probably a guy in Baker Mayfield, seeing what they were able to do and how they're able to uh, to build off of what they've done uh, going into the playoffs last year. So I would say just the impression, my number one impression of going into spring was going back or trying to get back to where they were a season ago, uh, getting to the play, getting back to the playoffs, uh, getting more guys involved as far as just guys that are uh, team leaders within the program. And I think that that was probably the number one thing that Oklahoma wanted to identify this spring was just who are the leaders in the program right now. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Eddie. I, I think that uh, this year you could really feel that there was a direction. You know, you, you didn't feel like there was this aimless, you weren't sure where the program was headed, where's the future. You you feel you've good. Got, you've got a, a Lincoln Riley, and you could tell it was he was in his second yeah. year. Yeah, you could feel that confidence. You could feel that the players understood their roles better. You could feel that there was a, a, a developing narrative of what this team needed to do and what they what was expected of them to do great things, where in the past, at least in, in recent years especially, I think fans especially felt this kind of aimless. They were unsure of where the program was headed, and now it has that direction. I think that's a great point, Eddie. I think you can talk about the tenor too of the program, Eddie, and what you're talking about is is they're really in a good place. Yep. I mean, the coaching staff I, I think is is fantastic. I think Kerry Cook's a great balance to Mike Stoops. Uh, when you talk to the wide res- or the uh, the defensive backs, they can now kind of laugh when you ask them about Mike Stoops because they know that he's not lording over them. Yeah. Uh, so th- it, I think it's a little bit. It's been good for the secondary. I think having Kerry Cooks here. Uh, I think the linebackers. You know that that's a whole another discussion that we're going to have. Um, you know that's a, a a different story maybe for a, another segment. But um, you're right. I mean the, the tenor of the program is is totally different. It's very positive. It's upbeat. You look at the way recruiting is going right now. You see why recruiting is going well because everybody's yeah. getting along now, Joe. Uh, was there was there something a little bit different for you just in terms of your number one impression from the spring? Yeah, I'll go a little more uh, uh, just focused on a specific position uh, rather than a big scale. And I'll say that the backup quarterback situation uh, 
I think was better than people expected, better than I certainly expected. Uh, I remember when Austin Kendall came in this spring, um, who's supposed to still be a high school senior, uh, and people were like, I don't know, he, he, he's got some work to do, he's got to develop, he, he still looks like a high school quarterback. And so I know I had this feeling that if, if Baker Mayfield goes down, what is there? And then going on into the next year, what is behind him? Or do you have to wait for Chris Robison? What, but now you see... Austin Kendall looked like a sharp, composed Division One quarterback already, and so that makes you feel good about the future. And maybe not this year. Maybe if Baker Mayfield gets hurt, you know Austin Kendall can't come in and win games in the same way. But it makes you feel better moving forward than I think uh, than you had before if you were an OU fan. And also Kyler Murray, um, man, he's fast. I mean, he's one of those yeah, things. Yeah, he where really is. It's one of those things. Until you see him up close and in person, you, you don't really appreciate that speed, and, and he can move. So uh, whether or not he ends up winning the the j- quarterback job in a couple of years, which will be interesting, I think he'll have a role in this offense, and uh, and I think that's got to make you feel good if you're an OU fan. I love I love his speed, Kyler Murray. I love his arm. I just question that size, man. He's so small. I mean, he's gonna be throwing through windows with Orlando Brown. And, you know, somebody else that's going to be 6'4", 6'5". And that's just, I mean, that's just life. That's just physics. I mean, you can't, when the window's not there and you're not 6'4", 6'5", it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, we saw we saw uh, Trevor Knight have problems getting it through windows. I mean, Drew Brees, you watch Drew Brees play. Tippy toes. Yeah, I mean, he's on his tippy toes and there are throws that he knows he can't make and he doesn't make them. Which are you know things in the middle of the line. So yeah, I but with that athleticism, that arm strength, maybe there's more. I mean, sure, there's going to have to be a lot more positives than negatives. But I'll say this, and, and it was, I I remember Dusty Dvorak and I were kind of disagreeing a little bit on what we thought of the quarterbacks. He thought that Kyler, he's in love with Kyler Murray. I thought that that Austin Kendall got a little bit of a bad rap just because. To me, when he made that play, rolling out, throwing to Dahu Green in the end zone, on the run, and that was, what, 40, 50 yards yeah, downfield? Yeah. Uh, wind conditions like they were. Dahu should have caught that ball. That was the most impressive throw that even Baker Mayfield included that any of the quarterbacks made during the Red White game. That was into game. the wind, too. Yeah. I would, I would argue that that was the most talked about play following the spring game, and, and I don't know how often an incomplete pass has been the most talked about play following the spring game, but... I, that throw really resonated with a lot of people, and you could see that talent there coming out of Austin Kendall. And uh, and, and and this is what else I said after the game. You know, Kyler Murray has played in an SEC game yeah. before. He's played in front of eighty thousand people. Fr- uh, offensive freshman of the year, right? I believe. I believe so. Yeah. 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 So I mean, that was Austin Kendall's first time to be in that environment. I expect only things to get better for him. It's it's pretty amazing where that whole position is. Just. With the, I guess, addition of one guy, really, and that being, namely, Lincoln Riley. And just, I think it's a confidence that he's kind of instilled in those guys in that quarterback room. And then I also think that he's gone out and found guys. And I I guess you can't really say that he found Kyler, but he went out and identified Austin Kendall and a guy that just being, I guess, character, composure-wise, kind of lines up with Lincoln and as far as and the way that we were talking to him after after the spring and just how confident it seems like Austin Kendall is uh, in, in himself, in his game, and what they are trying to do down there. Well, you know, I like I said, I want you guys to kind of drive this thing, and I I think you guys did a great job of identifying some, some people. Um, you know, just for me, if I was going to say anybody else that made the biggest impression, uh, I think we got to give some credit to maybe A.D. Miller a little bit at receiver. Um, 
you didn't really see in the in the times that we got to watch things you saw him make as many plays as anybody else and when you talk to other players and coaches he and Dahu Green's name were brought up it's interesting we you know we didn't we haven't mentioned that John Humphrey transferred uh, there's his name was Eddie when we were at practice you ask people who who's really standing out to you as young receivers I don't once ever remember John Humphrey's name coming up. Which no, is, and it was the exact opposite when we were talking to guys in Miami after he picked up Scout Team Player of the Year on offense. I mean, he was the guy that everybody was talking about. Yeah. I mean, we, you talked to him. We interviewed him, and he was talking about how big of a spring this was. And then you're right. It was like – it's like uh, – I don't know if maybe Jarvis Baxter, D.D. Westbrook, those slot guys just did that much better than he did, or is OU going in a different direction with – you know? putting Mark Andrews into more of that slot role and trying to get bigger bodies out there. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, Eddie, because uh, I, I think if you polled uh, uh, most people, they would have had John Humphrey as the, the backup slot guy coming into the spring. I, mean, behind, I, know, I know I did. Yeah, behind Mark Andrews. You know, you can look at our, our Sooner Scoop uh, way too early depth chart predictions that we did, and I think uh, most of us had John Humphrey as the backup slot. And uh, to, to, and you heard rave reviews. This wasn't somebody that no one was talking about. This wasn't some. And then now he's gone. And so you start to wonder: Is this a bigger picture thing? Is this uh, is this what OU's transitioning to on offense? And I think Kerry uh, bringing up Ad Miller is 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 huge. Because it's brilliant. It's genius. <laughs> <laughs> I, I he was my pick for uh, for the player that had the biggest impression on me this spring because I, to me he looks like a guy that can do everything in Lincoln Riley's offense. Well, it, it, look, the receivers, we all know, they've they've got to step up. And, and you, Dahu Green, that's too many drops, even in the spring game. He can't do that. And uh, A.D. Miller certainly looked the part. Micaiah Quick, we'll see what happens to his future. There's, there's, you know, there's rumors have always been out there that he might switch over to defense, but he had a really big spring game with John Humphrey transferring. Um, you know, that means they need, you know, even more bodies in there on the interior uh, Dallas Todd's a guy that has to step up or else, you know, you could see him, uh, maybe looking at greener pasture somewhere else. Uh, but you know, with the kids coming in, I mean, real quick, why don't you guys touch on, on the guys coming in? And I know you've, you've followed a lot more breaking down film and stuff like that, but, uh, just, just the, your thoughts, Eddie, let's start with you on, on guys coming in and what, who you think maybe could make an impact. I, I guess you would have to obviously start with the the first guy being uh, Michael Jones, a guy that they got in on early out of a Rivals 100 receiver, a guy coming out of SEC country. Uh, I don't know how you couldn't not be excited about what he's going to bring when he gets onto campus. And the, his biggest, I think, problem, or not problem, but hurdle will be just being able to acclimate himself to uh, to the faster pace of play, everything that comes with that when you make that jump into Division One football. But uh, you know, I I think I still think he's not he's not necessarily a guy that is uh, just first coming into the program. But I still think I, maybe I just have a man crush on the guy. But I still think Jordan Smallwood has some type of something that he can bring to this offense. He uh, he's got to catch the ball too, though. Yeah, he he. I mean, I think that's definitely something that has kept him off the field in recent years is just not his ability to He can catch get open, he can run routes, he's physical. There is yeah. nobody that looks you've got to catch the football. Yeah. Either. I mean we could talk about a lot of guys over the years. The the Dewan Miller comes to mind. Yeah. He's and he's a guy that had a lot of accolades coming in. Yeah. You know, coming in from high school. But, but that'll ruin you as a receiver. Doesn't matter what else you can do. The the one guy that I did see out of the uh the wide receiver group that's coming in next year is Zach Farrar. There I went go. up to yeah. Tulsa Union and saw him play and I'll tell you what, 
I left that game being more impressed with Zach Farrar than maybe anybody that I saw last year. I'm trying to think of guys just as far as he was, he had a hell of a game. He had, I think he had five receptions, 117, 120 yards, a touchdown. Touchdown. And yeah. sorry, Trey, he burnt Trey Brown a couple times in that game. And, uh, you Trey's know, he's really good. He, too. Trey is a yeah. very, and, very and, good. And Trey can fly. And Trey yeah, can fly. And so I, that, I walked out with, of that game and I think it, I don't know. Maybe it's just because OU has had success from uh, guys coming from big programs. But when I when I think of guys like uh, Matt Diamond that came from Katy, uh, the guys that they Stephen Parker that comes from Jinx, those are all coming from great programs. And Zach Farrar's obviously coming from a great program himself in South Lake Carroll down in uh, the Dallas area. Joe, any uh, any additional thoughts from you on that? Uh, I'm just going to piggyback on Zach Farrar because that that guy is far underrated coming in, and uh, I'm glad we get to talk about him a little bit because he brings a physical presence that we. We've been talking about that OU's moving towards some bigger 6'2", 6'3". I think he's, what, 6'3", 200-plus pounds. But he can he's a guy that can not only, when you put on the tape, he's not somebody that just runs by people. He's not somebody that just makes a guy miss and goes. He'll find the first down marker. He'll stop right at it, and he'll make the catch. He'll make catch in, catches in traffic. He'll make uh, catches over, if he has a smaller corner, he can go up and get it. If he has a bigger corner, he can work him with some double moves. He can work him underneath. He's got a full complement uh, to his skill set, and uh, he's someone that who... who you know, every, it's inevitable. Every year when the summer workouts happen, these names pop up, some three stars, some no one's talking about. Oh, yeah, they're really doing well. Don't be shocked if Zach Farrar is that name this year. Joe, are you buy or, buying or selling Geno Lewis? If I had to pick one of those, I would pick sell uh, based upon I thought when he first was announced that he was transferring that that was going to be a big part of the offense. And uh, I kind of feel like that's slipping a little bit. I think he's more seen as just a guy now in the mix. All right. First off, you can't buy or sell people. That's that's illegal. All right. Um, <laughs> that's true. Let's uh, look. I one thing we wanted to talk about was kind of biggest area of concern on offense. Uh, I think we can all agree receiver. I mean, we just we just covered it. Outside of that, uh, you're replacing Ty Darlington at center. Uh, you're replacing uh, Neela Casatati. Uh, we know that the tackles were settled last year. Uh, but you know, some things have come up. Chris, uh, Christian Daimler is is seemed like a guy that's emerged. By the way, I, don't, I want to mention that dude. It didn't get enough attention because we're not out there every day. That dude's become really imposing looking. Yeah, he was he's a big guy, and he he's was skinny. finally put on some weight. If, he was skinny out of high school, not just. I mean, he was he was two seventy. Yeah, I mean, he he these tall. He was not muscular. He wasn't thick. He was just kind of like a big, rangy dude. And now he's a, just a big dude. Creep. I want I want to see more of him, but I mean, it sounds promising with him. Creepy. It, it, Creepy comment of the day. If you want to see how big he is, just go to uh, Baker Mayfield's Instagram account. He is yeah, so much bigger next than to him. Baker. It's he ridiculous. dwarfs Baker. It's crazy. I mean, he's legitimate in six seven, and now he's about three eleven. I think he was at least listen on the rest. But anyway, you've got a lot of offensive linemen to replace. Uh, we talked about the backup quarterback situation. Um, you know, running back. Please. Nobody's concerned about that, but no. uh, I guess outside of receiver, Joe, let's start with you. Uh, what, what's your biggest concern offensively? Uh, to me, it's that interior offensive line, and it's it's nothing new. I think that was a problem a year ago. I think that you had, tr even with the, the senior leadership you had back there with Neela and Ty, there was too much consistent pressure coming through up the middle, which forced Baker Mayfield to scramble, and I, I think with new guys coming in, you're that problem will only persist, in my opinion. And and so you have Baker Mayfield, who's going to, again, be forced to scramble, make plays on his feet, which good thing for Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield's really good at yeah. But this year, he will not have Sterling Shepard, who, how many times did we see that guy work the sideline, keep his toes in, catch a ball that was going three yards out of bounds and pluck it away? D.D. Westbrook got better at that as the year went along, 
but that's not his natural state. And so I'll be interested to see how Mayfield and the receivers can work with if, if that interior line. It's kind of that, that, that it's a great example of how football, it's a team game, right? If you're in an interior line, if it's not good, Baker Mayfield's on the move. And so now you need re- receivers to be stepping up. It's all kind of connected. And so I think that interior line, if you can't get that fixed, then that might sprout some problems in other areas on the offense. You know, one thing I was really kind of, I guess, surprised about uh, as far as interior line was just how big Ben Powers is. Uh, yeah. A Juco offensive lineman that actually came in early, was able to participate in the spring game. and uh, Kind of the opposite of Jamal Danley a year ago, because we were like, yeah. really, that's Jamal Danley? Yeah, he was a lot bigger than, I mean, if anything, they got stronger in the middle. I mean, if you were just based on the fact alone that I'm guessing Ben Powers can rep 225 more than 13 times. Powers and Ford are both going to be bigger. And so, is, I mean, if Ashton Julius, if he plays yeah, in there, he's th- a big th- dude. those guys are huge. They're going to be bigger and stronger than you're, what they had in their year before. So if they do step up, you're right. That that's that they will have a a more girth in that interior than they had a year ago. But, uh, where are you as far as moving Drew Samia inside. I, I, it, I guess that's Why? not really that much of a conversation anymore. But to me, to me, the question. Unless Daniel can play right tackle, there are people that there are people that want this conversation. There are people that want Samia in at, at guard. And I, to me, my question is why. Why do it? He was a true freshman a year yeah. ago playing right tackle for a team that went to the college football playoff, and he was. Um, he was good enough, right? I mean, he, he wasn't spectacular or anything, but for a true freshman, he was. Yeah. And so, to me, you, you ride that out. You see where that goes. And it, there's no guarantee that the other guy you put there, the next guy that you think might be better, there's no guarantee when the bullets start flying that he'll play that well. Yeah, I, I count me in on the why move Drew Samia. I ha- mean, have you seen Beatembo or any OU offensive line lineman be as high as Beatembo is on Drew Samia in recent memory? I mean, I can't remember I would, a guy. I would say he's equally as high on Orlando Brown, though. Right. But no, I mean, I there's something there's something about his attitude that he really, which we know that. I mean, when Drew's, he was a recruit, how hard he worked. Yeah, he said I mean, he was going to come out, in and play. Yeah, I mean, seeking out a lot of extra work with people. Uh, but I just I go back to like Jamal Brown talking about Orlando Brown, and I mean, my one of my strangest moments of the spring was. Uh, you remember the the first day we went out there to talk to Orlando Brown, and we get out there. What is it, five forty five usually? Some yeah. When we're getting let in there, and it's that time where the sun is just beating down, like right on top of the press box, and you're trying to interview people, and, and you're trying to keep the sun out of your eyes. All I had to do was take one step toward Orlando Brown, and he blocked out the sun. I mean, it was. It, I was just like, this dude is a mountain standing here in front of me they haven't had guys like that down there in a while load holt the last one that size right maybe load holt duke Duke robinson were two guys that were really just physically you're just like whoa you can't you can't put anybody in load holt's uh category until he drinks two 30s in one night (laughs) which i have witnessed oh god wade boggs can do that all right, well, let's move on from the uh, biggest area of concern on offense. I think we've covered that as much. I, obviously, defensively, I see fewer holes, but I see some really big holes over on the defensive side. Uh, mainly, you're, we're talking about losing Eric Stryker, Devontae Bond. Now, one of the things I think, and I'll throw it to you guys, but one of the things I think that people have to wrap their minds around is what Mike Stoops is doing defensively you're not replacing those two guys. You're replacing one of them because I think you're going to see Will Johnson move back to more of a full-time 
You're, you're going to get more of a full-time 4-2-5 defense from OU. Now, you're going to have the odd front, but Will Johnson essentially is going to replace one of those linebackers. The only reason that they had Bond and Stryker on the field at the same time and switched around their defense like they did uh, to accommodate them is because those were two of their best players. Now they know they don't have two guys like that, and Will Johnson's one of their best players, so they're going to move him back. But, I mean, obviously, guys, Eddie, we'll start with you. Just, just your thoughts on what you saw from the defense uh, and your biggest concern. Well, I think the biggest concern, obviously, is probably linebacker. I mean, you're losing, uh, you know, as, as much as people want to badmouth him, I thought Dominique Alexander, they're going to miss him in the middle, I think, uh, maybe a little bit. And uh, Jordan Evans, obviously, is going to come back. He's he's your most experienced linebacker. But uh, you're throwing a lot of guys out there that haven't played a whole lot. Uh, going back and watching the spring game, though, I thought uh, – I thought – Curtis Bolton took that step that maybe people wanted to see. He, he always certainly looks good in spring games, though. And then, you know, you, you ask about him, and you're like, so how is he? And you expect to get an answer yeah. like, oh, he's really coming along. And you never really get that. No, no. And so he's going to definitely have to go out there and, I think, prove it. I mean, How many opportunities has he really had, though, to go out into an actual game uh, besides the mop-up time in the late fourth quarter uh, that he's been out there? I, I can't really remember a time when he's been actually put into a game and asked to do anything, I guess, in recent memory, I know they redshirted two years ago, but yeah. Uh, and then he—he's been—he's also uh, battled injuries. I mean, he was injured for—I I don't think he suited out for at least three games last year. Yeah, uh, with a boot on his foot. So, uh, and then you're gonna have—you're gonna have to have guys like Caleb Kelly and Mark Jackson come in, and uh, and probably uh, the two Lackawanna guys that and actually participate and play and uh, contribute. Here's, here's what concerns me uh, most talking to Mike is the last time Mike Stoops and Bob Stoops last time you talked to them uh, when they mentioned we're really going to need freshmen to come in and contribute was two years ago when they had that big big defensive back class coming in and that was the year that ended up with Baylor just crushing Oklahoma and Mike Stoops and, and Julian Wilson fighting on the sideline uh, it, it was not a good year in the secondary they're saying the same things about the linebackers and in my head, I'm like, oh, this is kind of deja vu a little bit. But but Joe... Can I play devil's advocate to that? Sure. I think that's a good point. But uh, do you remember the defensive line a couple years ago? That's oh, the, please. Don't get me started on that. That that was Bob, trash. That, they I, were so... They, yeah, there you they, go. They, they we, were we so... We don't have any defensive linemen. Bob Stoops Jr. in the studio <laughs> with us. Two Bob Stoops Juniors. In the Look, end. Look, we... The whole thing about that defensive line, I'm just trying to think back now. Eric Stryker... Really developed. Geno Grissom was a stud who was really undervalued. And really, they screwed up his career because he should have been. I mean, he was drafted, what, fourth round by New England? Yeah. He was so athletic and so good. If they played him the right way, he would have been in there for a first or second round draft pick. He was, he was a freak. Of course, he had all the injuries. So I can't really blame the coaching staff completely. He broke his foot, and then he broke his other foot. Yeah. Or I can't remember. He rebroke the same foot the well, same like way. three years in a row where he had foot yeah. feet trouble. So right. they moved into tight end for a little bit. So his, his career was strange. I can't really just kill the coaching staff for it, but... They really they got they got production from guys that just weren't all that great and you know I think getting a new defensive line coach you know really helped them out too. But I'm sorry. I was gonna say one thing was I'm not allowing you to <laughs> no what was, go Bob Stoops on uh, me. So uh, in the end, uh, what what I was gonna say is that okay. uh, uh, if that defensive line that year, one of the guys that stepped up was Chuka and Dulaway. 
And yes. It, I mean, how many screens did he stop that year? I mean, I think that's basically all he did was backing coverage on screens. But he, he, he played really well that year. And it, and I guess you could say that the, the senior to step up, the, the guy that's been waiting around to have his moment is who? I mean, there's there's no – I mean, Jordan Evans is the leader now, right? And he's he's had his time. It'd have to be Matt Romar, but you you know you're expecting him. Yeah. I mean, you, you have expectation that he's going to be a, a, one of your best players. Right. So that the, I mean, Matt Diamond, I think, is undervalued a little bit. Yeah. I think he's a really good player. But, I mean, I mean at linebacker, at this year, you have Evans – and then that's it for leadership. And so the guys coming in, I mean, is Emmanuel Beal, is he really going to jump over Curtis Bolton and Arthur McGinnis to back up Tay Evans and Jordan Evans? So I th- what concerns me about the linebacker core is I, th- I think you can make it work. I think you can find three or four guys to make it work, but there's no depth. I mean, if who, if who goes down that that doesn't hurt you, that doesn't make things really, really difficult? And, and Eddie, how about this? I'll ask you, of these new guys coming in, who do you see – as the impact guy, who do you see coming in? And I mean, is it Caleb Kelly, the five yeah. star? I mean, I, I don't think that there's any doubt it's going to be Caleb. He's, he's just one of those guys that I saw him uh, work out at the Los Angeles rivals camp. And I mean, you can stand on one side of the field and look at the linebacker group. And it's like, yeah, that that's Caleb Kelly right there. I mean, he just moves so well and does everything so well. Yeah. And, and I saw him in Baltimore at the five star. And I mean, it's just, he just screams. Yeah. I'm, I'm bigger, better, faster yeah. than everybody out here. And that's the thing is, people don't realize how big he is he is a big guy i know that you and, saw him down on the sidelines at the spring game oh yeah. and he's gonna be able to put on i would say if he gets here early he's gonna be able to put on 15 pounds of good good yeah. weight before the season starts. And, and mark jackson uh an army all-american a, a great pass rusher is also going to come in and he i think he's a ferocious pass rusher an aggressive pass rusher but i think caleb kelly can also do those things and be good in coverage and be trustworthy as an athlete covering guys so I think Caleb Kelly might be the guy. But although Ricky DeBerry, Obo yeah. Ankoronkwo, the spring game, I think that there were some question marks there, but I think they both played really well. Ricky so. DeBerry does some really good things, and this is kind of people I've talked to. He does he does more flashy things than Obo does. Uh, Obo does some really good things, but when it comes down to it, both of those guys can be replaced by a better player. There's there there's better they they expect and can get better production from someone than what those two showed them in the spring. What happened to Oboe? Because I, I heard rave reviews about him. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one, but when he came in, I remember hearing your, your boy Dusty Dvorak said he, he could be like a Von Miller type when he was a true freshman coming in. And I think every year I heard something similar. Hey, this guy can rush. This guy can rush the passer. Well, he was suspended some last year for academic issues. I think, you know, he, I talked to him about that earlier in the spring. He said that he's grown up, but I I still think there's some maturity issues yeah. there with him. I know with Ricky DeBerry, it's it's really lining up. It's, it's alignment issues that he's having and things that he shouldn't be having after being here for a year. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean that, freshmen are going to be any better at it so they might be there but I, it is weird with oboe because he seems to have all the tools he looked okay in the spring game looked really good at times i maybe we're making too much out of it maybe, maybe that's it's not eric striker and it's not Devonte bond but that doesn't mean that it's just trash if you if we're talking about linebackers i thought maybe one of the more impressive guys during the spring game surprisingly was uh was Dalton Rodriguez, a, a kind of a blast from the past name. I mean, he does add a little bit of length. I don't know if he's going to necessarily be a guy that 
could be considered as a guy that adds depth, but uh, he did have two and a half sacks, I think, okay, uh, he was credited pass. for, a batted pass. Yep. I mean, he does add some uh, add some length that I don't think uh, that, I guess, they haven't had in a while. I don't know if you can find much of a, a 6'6 linebacker out there, but he did at least offer a little bit of flash during the spring yep. game, and it'll be interesting to see if he really is a guy that is in a rotation uh, once they start, I guess, Two days. Yeah, and after the game, uh, we asked him uh, so about the transition because he was originally on the defensive line, move into linebacker, and we said, so how come you made that switch? And he said, well, because I weighed 220 pounds on the defensive line. That's why. So he, And he said he, even, he understands that he still needs to even put on weight as a linebacker, but he's much closer to that now than he was at the defensive line. And so if he bulks up, fills out that frame a little bit, he clearly showed some skills. And remember, he, he is a walk-on technically. But oh, you offered him a scholarship out of high school. Yeah. He, he was a scholarship player, so he's somebody to watch as well in that linebacker group. I agree. I'm going to say, you know, I, I, I want to move on from the linebackers and just discuss the rest of the the defense briefly. But I'm going to say, if I gave a biggest disappointment award out for the defensive side of the ball this spring, probably be for PJ and PJ Bonasor is what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that's got a position that's ready made for him to take it over. And just hasn't been able to, hasn't been consistent. And that's what you worry about. It's like every time you hear Mike Stoops or Kerry Cooks or somebody talk about a cornerback that's not consistent, it bothers me because it's not like they have a lot of responsibilities. It's it's basically just can the guy stay awake, you know, and not be a right fielder picking daisies. And and I, I don't get the sense that PJ is mature enough to really handle taking over this job after the spring. Well, yeah, and maybe that's harsh or unfair, but that's the sense I get. I, I don't know about uh, PJ's maturity. You guys would have a better feel on that than I would, being out of practice more often. But I, I would say that that the, you're right about the opportunity is there. I mean, could it be any more set up for PJ to take that spot? He's a big time recruit. He is a big time uh, kid. Just the way he his frame. I mean, he's got long arms. He's muscular. He's tall. He can flip his hips. So why is this guy not beating Dakota Austin, who's 5'9", 125, 130 pounds? Which, to be fair, he can play. Oh, he can. This is nothing against Dakota Austin. Dakota Austin has maxed out uh, his skill level. Props to that kid because he played well at, the, at times last year filling in uh, for both cornerbacks when needed, Zach Sanchez and Jordan Thomas. So this isn't a slight against Dakota Austin. It's just the reality. He is a 5'9", two-star cornerback with P.J. and Bonasso arrivals 250, four-star 6'2", typical-looking corner behind him, and P.J. can't take the reins of that job, which leaves open the door for Jordan Parker, a big-time kid out of California coming in this summer to maybe seize maybe seize that number two cornerback well, job. Well, if there's, if there's somebody that can do it, that's the position to do it at. I mean, I'd, I'd trust that more than I would an outside linebacker. As far as a freshman coming yeah, in. Yeah, freshman coming in. Being Let me finish this direct message to uh, – Dakota Austin, add two haters to the list. <laughs> I, no, I'm, I I'm not hating on Dakota Austin. I saw what he could do last year. No, I, I agree. I mean, he he definitely the eye test, and I think that I like that he, kid too. Though. People will say too that you know he did he did play well when he uh, when he made starts, played but great. at the same time they were against Iowa State, Kansas, and then I guess he made his first start against Tech, and he had a pick in that game too. So. Yeah. Uh, he might just be one of those kids that just keeps grinding. That's Everybody why you, keeps that's why doubting you hashtag him. grind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> is that Eddie? That's the definition of hashtag grind. The, that's, a, that's a hashtag grind hashtag up gr- up by ten a.m. That's Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Who, yes. <laughs> who would be some other uh, good grinders for the Stoops era? Price Macon jumps to mind. Yeah. Someone who sticks around yeah. towards the end. A Jonathan Nelson. People like that. Yeah. That, that's Although Jonathan Nelson ran like a 4-2 something coming out of high school. I mean, he was really that's good. Flying. Yeah. I, he, I'd have to go in the Caleb yeah. Gastelum territory. Yeah, that, but I, I'm th- uh, that's a good one. But he, I mean, that's still he a walk on. Jonathan Nelson, he lost Texas Jonathan game, though, Nelson was a corner who got better when they moved him to safety. So yeah. that's kind of yeah. Hey, I, it's the uh, direct opposite of uh, Julian Wilson. Yes, but I think we all knew he wasn't a corner. That's true. Even when he was in high school. That's true. So all right. Uh, otherwise, secondary. I don't think I, I didn't have any issues. I mean, I think Stephen Parker was impressive. Uh, Ahmad Thomas doesn't look lost for the first time in his career to that, me. That whole entire secondary is just kind of a... They're all really, 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 really good. Jordan they, Thomas might be the best one out of all of they them. They have a chance to be maybe one of the better... I would have to think they have a chance to be one of the better secondaries uh, Stoops has ever put out there uh, in it, the 18 years that he's been in Norman now. And Corey Coleman and Josh Doxson are about to be drafted tonight, so that also helps. And, and you're going to park Jordan Thomas on each Big 12's number one receiver, and with those two guys gone, uh, that uh, the number two guy that we just talked about, whether it's Dakota Austin, P.J. Mbonis, or Jordan Parker, their job just got a lot easier yeah. because they have Jordan Thomas on the other side, and then on the back end, they have two experienced guys playing with each other, Stephen Parker and Ahmad Thomas, which Ahmad Thomas itself is a big story because I think many people expected last year one of those big-time freshman safeties to end up taking that Play job. in front of him. Yep, and, and he held on to it the whole way, to his credit, and it, he seems to have a stranglehold on it at his senior year as well. All right, uh, before we get out of here, uh, I want to hit on a little bit of the NFL draft getting ready to start here. We're going to get this podcast up tonight on Thursday night. Uh, what is it, April 28th is what it our is. date is. Um, by the way, Eddie, you are uh, you have plenty of things to brag about with your Cubs these days and how great your fans are. So good. Uh, just got this update from Yahoo Sports. Thieves steal giant cutout of Royals player from Kansas City Billboard. That's pretty awesome. Some thieves. That, talk did? about a fathead. Well, obviously, was it like Royals out in front fans. of uh, Kaufman, just a giant billboard in Kansas City somewhere. How do you take a? How do you steal a billboard? That's pretty impressive. That is impressive. <laughs> That's devotion right there. <laughs> and just, I mean, you have to. That sounds like something you have to do uh, during the uh, or attack during the uh, nightfall. I mean, you have to do that while the sun's down, right? Sounds like an '80s movie, is what it sounds like. That's pretty cool. All right, uh, let's talk about the NFL draft. Joe Duvall, you've done a lot of work uh, on, on the draft this week and done a great job. And uh, obviously, Sterling Shepard has kind of been the guy that has floated up to the top of most mock drafts. Tonight's the first round. Throw it to you guys. Chances Sterling Shepard has taken tonight. Uh, I would probably put the over-under at, I don't know, somewhere around 5 to 10%. What do you think, Eddie? Probably about the same. I think that, you know, strangely, it would be such a good situation for him to go tonight uh, and go to a, a franchise that's already kind of considered there. Yeah, if you he, know, if if, if you yeah. can sneak into a New England Patriot situation at the back end of the first round, oh, that'd be that's, nice. That's one of the best situations I think that could possibly happen to him I think everybody I, I don't know if there's anybody that's rooting for Stu, Sterling Shepard that wouldn't love him to go to the New England yeah. Patriots I mean that that just kind of feels like a perfect, it's a perfect fit, fit. And, and you're right if, he, if his name is called tonight 
it's going to be called by a team that's pretty well set at the back end of this first round. You know, it could be the Panthers maybe yep. who might might take a chance on him. And and to be honest, what what Sterling needs to happen is to have some receivers go right. He needs some guys to just go yeah. off. The he board. needs Coleman and Laquan Treadwell and Josh Doxson to to go early and often. Yep. So that's something to watch for tonight. Uh, if you're wanting Sterling Shepard to go in the first round. Start watching those receivers. Watch when Doxson goes off the board. Watch when Coleman goes off the board. And if they go off early, that gives Shepard a really good shot for someone to reach. And, and, and not to say that it would be a reach, but for someone to, to make a pick that not many people are seeing coming. But I think either way, he's gone tomorrow. Um, mock drafts. I don't know, Eddie, how much you've kept abreast of everything. Uh, Joe, feel free to jump in here. But uh, Charles Tapper, what's kind of the consensus on him out there that you've seen? Uh, Tapper, I mean, he could be like a fourth round guy. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go later. Uh, I would be shocked to see him go a little earlier. Um, maybe someone gets enamored with that forty time. You know, maybe someone sees that forty time from the combine was it four five nine. It was sub four six, which is just absurd. It was good. I mean, if I know people say this all the time, I, think, I know Josh is one of the big proponents. Go stand next to someone who runs a four six and watch how fast they move. That is blazing speed. And for Charles Tapper to be nearly 300 pounds to be moving like that, that's that's insane. And so you could see somebody getting enamored with that. Although, I think, I, I wonder, Geno Grissom still fell to the fourth, right? Yeah. There are freak athletes all over the place. Tapper had so much inconsistency, and I, he didn't show off enough moves, enough versatility, I think, to make him higher than that fourth-round ceiling. What an odd career Charles Tapper had at Oklahoma. I feel like there was like... Really, really good at the front end. Kind of a question mark in the middle. And then it's like something clicked at about the fourth or fifth game last year, and then the last seven games were great. I'm honestly not surprised by by his arc because he's one of those guys, he came to Oklahoma to become a professional football player yeah. from the Baltimore area, came to OU as a business decision. I think when he was a junior, he got dollar signs in his eyes, stopped focusing on what it took to be a great football player. I think Dyron Reynolds was great for him to come in and, and really was able to reach him at a level maybe somebody else didn't. Um, not saying anything against Jerry Montgomery, but uh, I think having a guy that had been in the league that long really got him to understand where he needed to go. Whereas, you know, other guys might have just used motivation. Well, you know, you're going to get to the league someday. And he probably had a lot of friends and family telling him, yeah. you've done great. You know, you're going to be, you can leave after this year if you want to and make, you know, make make a team somewhere and then make a lot of money. But I just really think he got dollar signs in his eyes. And, and once he realized it, I credit that kid a lot because he's probably one of the most mature kids on the defensive side of the ball that we've seen come through here, he and Eric Stryker, probably five years before that, we saw, I mean, Gerald McCoy might have been the most mature kid since him. There was, I mean, just that whole core of senior guys, and especially the two that you mentioned on the defensive side of the ball, I think were probably, I don't know if it was underplayed, but there was a reason why they made that significant jump last season. And, uh, you know, Joe staying on the defensive side of the ball, we just mentioned Eric Stryker. He's a guy that it's a, it's a it's an odd situation for him the next three days I would think. Yeah, I, 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 he's a crapshoot really. I, I think people out there think he could possibly maybe go up into the fourth in that Tapper area if somebody really gets enamored with his skill set. And there are people that think he might not get drafted. I mean, it's really that kind yeah. of a it's wide be a range situation that he's going to have to go to a team that they're like, we want Eric Stryker to do this to come into our 
franchise and do this, fill this. And void. we like his character, and yeah. we like his motor. His we like, yeah, we don't know where we're gonna play him, right. but we'll see if we can find a spot. And, and he'll wow people in those areas. He'll he'll wow them in the interviews on tape. You'll see his tenacity. He's not a guy who takes plays off. This is a guy who plays every down. He gives a hundred percent. And to me, his biggest problem is. He is not a safety. Right. right. What he is you, not no. a safety. What position do you I, don't tell me he's an outside linebacker and don't tell me he's a safety because he's neither of those in the NFL. He's just Eric Stryker. He's somebody who has to. He's somebody who teams just really need to get enamored with what he can do. And you know what? Mike Stoops did, and it worked out pretty well for him. He he made a role, carved it specifically for Eric Stryker because there were things the defense was doing last year that they would never do with any other players, but they decided we got Eric Stryker. We have to use them. So now the hope is there's a defensive coordinator out there in the NFL that's thinking the same thing. Uh, any any other thoughts, Joe, on draft before we get out of here? What, what about Sanchez? It's going to be I, – I kind of find him a really interesting figure just in that there are some OU fans that absolutely can't stand him, or at least out of my group of friends. And then there's some people that just love him because he made a lot of plays. Why would you, I mean, it's why do would, or die. I don't understand why you can't stand him, though. I mean, that's – I don't know. I, they're, they're, I'm I'm with the group that loves Zach. I love Zach. Everything that he brings, I like the way they handles himself, the way they talks trash to people. Uh, but there are games that people remember him getting burned a lot. Zach Sanchez is the man. I mean, he I I, I like that kid a lot. He is great. Uh, he makes and he makes interceptions, which I don't know if people are talking about enough, which seems silly. It's such a basic thing, but to me, a huge part of that role is I can find I can find an athlete. I can find a guy who flips his he hips. He has I, good hands. I can find a guy who runs. I can't find that many corners to make interceptions. I can't find guys with those instincts, and I can't find guys with that ability to make the catch in the moment. They're guys who have good hands, but when that, that moment hits them, yeah. they get jittered, and they drop it every time. Zach does not. So that's a, and, and also, here's something else. Somebody from inside the program told me that he was the guy in games at halftime, Tennessee, think of that, where he's the one firing up guys. He's the leader. And so uh, thinking team next year, you wonder how you're going to replace him on OU. But that's also something he brings to the table in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the fan stuff, Eddie is not bringing that up out of nowhere. There are people that are not huge Zach Sanchez fans, and I think that comes down to the tackling, right? He, he's, he was, yeah, yeah, you're right. He was not a, he was not a, a willing it's tackler. It's the old school, you the, know, get off my lawn crowd yeah. is what it is. Dakota Austin coming in and being a better tackler didn't help his case. That juxtaposition just really kind of makes Zach look bad. <laughs> when Dakota's coming in and being a better tackler than you are, that, that, I mean, to Zach's credit, he did have shoulder injuries during his time, which kind of inhibited well, his Well, and his bit, ankle but. was a lot worse than they ever let on this last year. I mean, the fact that he even came back for Baylor is like a minor miracle. And he intercepted a, a pass in that game. So, yeah. Or was it two? Yeah. Uh, I think it's just one. Well, the mod had the well more than Jalen Ramsey one. did. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey. How many interceptions does that guy have? I was, yeah, that's I was really big. shocked that he didn't have an interception yeah. all year. That is unbelievable. He might go number three in the draft tonight, and he didn't have an interception last year. He Anybody else badass. that we can think of that uh, has an opportunity to get drafted? You know, I. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Devonte Bond could yeah, go. Yeah, Devonte Bond. Uh, I would think Devonte Bond definitely goes before Eric Stryker goes, and probably. I would say not too too far after Tapper. I mean, I think that'd be an interesting poll to OU fans. I think he's one of those guys that NFL people know a lot about, but I don't think like the mock people really get who he is or what. Because there's always like the Mel Kuypers of the world. Those are the guys that ignore people like Devontae Bond because he played one year, he missed some games this year, but you watch his film and he's a great football player. But I guarantee you, on Friday or Saturday when he's drafted. Uh, Mel Kuyper will stand up there and he'll tell you that he watched every single game and Devontae Bond's a guy that really popped. <laughs> what an idiot. 
God, so I, you wish were, I, I wish I had so, my, so my Frank Caliendo Todd, Todd, Todd right now. <laughs> Todd, Todd, Todd. So, Ed, you're not watching ESPN for coverage tonight? Uh, I will not. Really? You going with the NFL? Yeah, I like NFL Network. Okay. I'm a, I love Mike Mayock, though. Yeah, he's good. Uh, what are your feelings on spoilers, too? Because I think this is, to me, I, I have to stay off Twitter now because I don't want the spoilers. I, I don't, I have to like go back in after every pick and then check Twitter after the pick because, you know, I, I, I like the magic of television a little bit. Maybe I'm old school The first here. round, I'm with you, but when it's, you know, oh, that's middle of Saturday and I'm just, I'm thrashed and I can't stand to watch anymore. There. Totally fair. Then I'm just I, I switch over to Twitter. Yeah, that could just become a scroll at that point. Just just start telling me who's picked at that point. But first round, let the TV have their moment. I kind of like that. All right, fellas. Hey, it was a good podcast. Good first uh, podcast. Uh, appreciate you guys coming in and uh, being a part of it. We're almost an hour long. Uh, so wow, time really flies, I guess, on these things. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening. We're going to be back again soon. Uh, we'll try and make this more of a regular thing. We promised, like, we're going to start doing more podcasts, and we're starting to deliver yeah. a little bit. Uh, so, Joe, I'm sorry you had to be initiated with the story about uh, <laughs> your spring duties as a photographer. Set the bar low. It's okay. Uh, you're still you're still getting a paycheck, um, so it's fine. Uh, Eddie, appreciate it as always. And, Absolutely. Uh, we will uh, check back with you guys. And we're, well, let me put this straight. The recruiting podcast will make those uh, only for Sooner Scoop subscribers. The team podcast, we're going to start having these on iTunes and things like that uh, so everybody can listen to them. So just want you guys to understand how this is all going to work out moving forward in the future. But for Eddie Radosevich, for Joe Duvall, I'm Kerry Murdoch. We'll see you next time on the SoonerScoop.com podcast.